everybody, welcome back to Pagan's Witchy Corner. My name is Pagan. I am joined by the author of Loki and Sagan, Leah Svedzen. Did I pronounce it correctly? Because my brain told me I didn't. I hope I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got it. It's, it's a tricky, uh, Norwegians have to be all like tricky with the D and the yeah, E and all that. You know, they just uh, spell it how it's supposed to sound. That's the easiest way to do it. <laughs> It looks prettier than the Swedish way. <laughs> I butcher everybody's <laughs> names, so I'm just terrible at pronouncing people's names. So just welcome to That's the club okay. of mispronunciations. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say I don't even pronounce my name correctly because my grandfather forgot how to speak Norwegian when he moved to America. So. <laughs> <laughs> I always joke about buddy, sure. I think you just slur it all together. <laughs> okay. All right. Rock on. Well, you wrote an absolutely gorgeous book that as soon as I saw Llewellyn announce it, I was like, I have to own a copy. I don't care if it's a press copy. I don't care if it's a additional full pretty copy. I want a copy. And so, Aww. of course, um, our contact Llewellyn was like, here's both. You can have both. <laughs> I'm like, okay, thank you. <laughs> um, and I read the press copy first. And then when I got the original copy, I had to read it again because it was so good. And it was just an absolutely beautiful and actually hilarious book. Like the first chapters or the first yeah. chapter of just going through the mist, I was cackling and laughing. And I'm like... <laughs> The author is a smart ass because she interjected <laughs> smart assery into what the gods would have said. And I love it because that's how I feel the gods would have done. It's perfection. <laughs> Thank you so much for saying that because I actually, my editors, I felt so bad for them when they got the first copy of the book. I'm like, I need to send them apology scotch and fruit <laughs> baskets and stuff because this book is a mess. It's, it's, it's a book about Loki. You can't be straight with it. No. You gotta be all over the place. And my editorial notes when they came back were like, cut the snark and back talk. And this is too much. And like the first page was full of instances where I needed to cut the quote unquote back talk. And then finally, like on the second page, there was a line note that said, here it is again. I'm not going to mention it again. I think you get the point. So my response, of course, was to, in the introduction, I added that note about much to their chagrin. Mm -hmm. This is how the book is. And to be fair, you know, you're writing about Loki. You cannot like just be serious and sober and academic when you're talking like even the academics have trouble talk like writing about Loki in a right. serious tone I'm like if <clears throat> we're talking about somebody who put on the spot tied his balls to a goat's beard like <laughs> yes. you cannot be serious with this dude and that's a good thing that that's a good thing so I'm amazed that Llewellyn went with it and published it as is I'm so thanks so well. <laughs> oh, and that made it so much more enjoyable um, than just an academic text about Loki. Um, mm -hmm. Because if you try to take all of that away from Loki, Loki does become a little bit boring. And Loki is not boring. He's anything but boring. <laughs> and so it made it so enjoyable to read. Um, to the, our listeners out there, if you have not picked up a copy of this book already, I'm going to encourage you several times throughout this episode, as I often do with our interview guests, because they're all amazing. <laughs> Go buy a copy right now. Pause the recording and go and buy a copy. I promise you will not regret it. Thank you. And also further uh, introduction on the please buy. Um, one of the things I'm doing, because this book is a gift, not only to Loki and Segan, but to the community. Mm -hmm. um, I am donating like 20 to 25% of all royalties and earnings I get from this back into the community. Um, donations to local charities like in my community and also to the wider heathen groups um I, and i'm going to be donating or places that have significance to what you read about in the book like i'm going to be donating to like you know women's and children's shelters of course mm -hmm. uh in honor of segan and Narvian valley and i'm going to be donating to food banks because when you read the book you'll learn that sometimes uh, some of us refer to loki as the scarfer of other people's foods <laughs> yes <laughs> so, kind of a nod to that um donating to lgbt community uh, defense funds and support funds and diversity funds so uh i appreciate all the support that i'm getting from folks so far because it's helping me to amass a very nice uh donation back to the community who needs it 
Absolutely. And the other thing, too, is if you are somebody that doesn't like to collect books or doesn't want to own it, you can buy a copy, read it, and then donate it to your local library. That is a really yeah. great way for – I know people who live in smaller apartments and they just don't have the space to keep the books and they don't want the mm -hmm. digital copy. Go yeah. Donate it, to, donate it to your local library. Trust me, they will thank you for it. And they don't care if they have 20 copies because the more copies, <laughs> that means there's more copies that go out to different readers. So mm -hmm. please donate to your local libraries as well. Yes, this. Big time this. And share it with your friends and whatnot because... Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So... Talking a little bit about your background, I loved how reading in your background, you grew up in the opposite of most Americans, where we all grew up knowing about Christianity. And when you came to America, or you grew up in America, you understood that you were like, well, um, no, I grew up heathen and Norse pagan. <laughs> and I don't know much about Christianity. Someone teach me. And you learned yep. it backwards, which was really interesting <laughs> to see that perspective. So if you want to tell us a little bit about that, that would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am second generation Norwegian. And my grandfather was a very proud pagan. Uh, and I know at least one of his brothers was also very proud pagan because his wife um, and daughters have told me and they were very excited when they heard about you know, me writing this book and, and whatnot, they're like, oh, you know, Knut would have loved this. This would have been, he would have been so proud of this. Um, my grandfather was a very quiet man. And I always point out, and I'm, I'm very careful when I tell people that, yeah, I'm a third generation heathen, at least third generation, um, because I don't want to make people think that they have to be on guard around me or anything. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I know better. No, that is absolutely not the case. My heathenry is very different from my father's heathenry, which was very different from my grandfather's heathenry. That's the really cool thing about heathenry is that it evolves constantly. Mm -hmm. And it's a very personal thing. Like my grandfather uh, did not have other heathens. I mean, he actually, <laughs> one of our favorite family lore stories, my mom loves the story and, and cackles every time she gets the chance to tell it, was in the 50s when my father was born, my grandfather started having kids. You know, that was the time of like McCarthyism and anti-communism. And so you had to be like that good Christian family. And my grandfather fought with his mom, my great grandmother, when his kids were born because she wanted them to be baptized just so that other people wouldn't freak out. Like she didn't care about Christianity or anything. She just wanted to make sure that the family was safe and had good social standing. Mm -hmm. And she was, she like screamed at him, you know, people are going to think we're heathens. And my grandfather <laughs> screamed back, but Ma, we are heathens. <laughs> so like he was very quiet and, and whatnot. But, and my grand, my father's heathenry was uh, of a different nature. And it's how I grew up. He's a uh, career military in the mm -hmm. army. So I grew up overseas in West Germany in the 80s, excuse me, and I uh, didn't have a lot of interaction with any other faiths. Mm -hmm. It's really funny to think back on because, of course, we traveled all over Europe and we went to a lot of churches and whatnot and a lot of religious sites and, and things. Like I knew all about Judaism because of where we lived and mm -hmm. because in the 80s it was so it was still like the, the war was still recent memory. So we went to a lot of concentration camps and memorials and whatnot to honor um, victims of the Holocaust. Right. I learned about Judaism, but I didn't somehow like just did not know about Christianity. My father hated Christianity. And um, growing up, I thought that Jesus Christ was a swear word because <laughs> my parents said it when they were angry. But if I said it when I was angry, I got in trouble. <laughs> So imagine my first day at Catholic school after my mom and I had left my father and we came back to the States. Mm -hmm. My mom enrolled in Catholic school because where we lived, uh, the public school system was pretty broken. Right. Also, she wanted me to have the better educational opportunities. And also, you know, she had that understanding that I need to learn about Christianity just because so much of American society is based on it and influenced by it. And I needed mm -hmm. to understand other people. But she didn't give me a crash course or anything on what to expect. You know, she was more excited about the jumpers and the saddle shoes and stuff. So <laughs> she, like, sends me off on my first day. I'm 10 years old, sitting there looking at a very graphic crucifix because the Catholics do like their detail. Oh, yes. And I'm just like, this is interesting. Like, it didn't scare me because I'd grown up around a lot of, like, medieval. Like, we, <laughs> as a child, we went to old 
castles and dungeons and torture museums when I was, a, you know, growing up. We didn't do Disney. So I wasn't like scared by it, but I was like, this is just an interesting thing to see, you know, with a bunch of school kids. And then the principal comes over on the intercom to start the morning prayers. And she says, we thank you, Jesus Christ, for this beautiful day, as she did every morning. And I was like, oh my God, like, where am I? Why is the principal cursing? What is happening? So I got my crash course in Christianity in the Monsignor's office that morning. <laughs> and then nice. I just kind of rolled with it. I'm like, all right, let's see what this is about. And by the time I was 13, I was... You know, that's when a lot of people get really rebellious mm -hmm. from family upbringing and whatnot. And I'm like, ooh, best way to piss my father off is to become Christian. And so that was all like, my, my, my rebellion uh, stage was just clearly out of control. I wanted to be Catholic. <laughs> so I converted. I was like, oh, whatever. It's like 13 is when everybody else in the school is getting uh, confirmed. And I'm like, well, I have to learn all this stuff anyway. I might as well have my chance to recite it in front of the bishop and also I was like really tired of every week at mass everybody climbing over me to go up for a snack and I'm just sitting there like an idiot singled out and alone with no cookie and I'm just like I want in on that snack time especially because hey they're telling me transubstantiation means that they're actually eating the body and blood so let me in on that <laughs> yes. and unfortunately it wasn't quite all it was cracked up to be so <laughs> I, I so found it hilarious reading yeah. about it in the book. And it, I, the funny thing is, like, I'm sitting there reading this and I'm just like, what a world to grow up in. I, I was, like, almost <laughs> jealous of the fact that you got to grow up that way because I was raised Christian and I was raised Southern Baptist, not Catholic. Um, oh, good name. But uh, it, it was definitely one of those things where I'm like, huh. I, I don't know how this looks like from the other side of the fence. This is very interesting. Uh, okay. I didn't know people weren't raised, like, didn't start. I mean, I knew that it was, like, over here in America, like, you're either Christian or you start out, like, Catholic or you start out atheist. There's not really any other options. So it was very strange. But it was so funny to read about it. And I, I'm so glad that you got to share your story with us. But, oh, gosh, that, like... It was a wonderful experience to see the other side of the fence through your <laughs> eyes. It was beautiful. Yeah, I'm glad my trauma was amusing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I feel yeah. like all of everybody's trauma at one point in time is amusing to everyone. So oh, oh, absolutely. If you don't have a sense of humor about it, then yes, you're going to be in that spot. <laughs> and, and that's the one thing that Loki, being um, a practitioner of Loki, has actually taught me is that it's like, you can laugh at your own trauma. It's okay. Yep. It's totally, yep. if you don't laugh, you're going to cry. And that's not okay. Don't cry. Mm -hmm. Laugh. <laughs> laugh is good. Look, I, I did this thing. I tied my balls to a goat and you can laugh at it. It's fine. I did it to make someone else laugh. So it's cool. I, it was agonizing, <laughs> but it's cool. Laugh at it, please. <laughs> <laughs> which is wonderful um so you mentioned in your bio that you are a devotee of loki but a priestess of sigan um mm -hmm. would you like to talk about the differences between that like why devotee why priestess and all of that and if you don't want mm -hmm. to talk about that that's totally okay i i'm uh, putting you on the spot here which is fine no worries i'm i'm one of those people i can overshare so easily like i'm very like blah blunt open book Fair. i will tell you things you don't want to know Love ask it. my coworkers about my <laughs> i used to be a mortician so like they whenever like a coworker like makes a comment i'm like hey fun fact for, i know from being a mortician they're just like oh my god no no i don't want to hear any stories no i don't want to hear about this or how that's done so yeah so that's that's kind of a failing of mine is that I have no concept of subtlety or keeping my mouth shut. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. I love it so much. So, <laughs> um, so the, the devotee of Logos being a priestess, uh, that's actually something it, it's kind of funny. Cause that's something that came from my experience, my brief short-lived experience with uh, being Catholic. Um, because when I was 14 and I started high school, the Catholic high school, there were actually nuns uh, that taught. They weren't just like admin were around mm -hmm. uh, like they had been in my junior high school. <clears throat> and I was really enamored with 
uh, Sister Helene of my honors theology classes, she was a member of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And I really dug like the idea of being a nun, being able to devote your life to uh, service and to prayer and devotion to God. And also the whole, you know, not having to worry about what to wear or where you're going to live was a really cool concept too. That like was very military to me, mm-hmm. you know, having grown up in the military and going to Catholic school, like I'm very pro uniforms. I don't like thinking about clothes and having to buy clothes. Just tell me what to wear. I'm cool with that, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was like, so then I want to be a nun. And then we had a retreat to uh, one of the sisters of the Immaculate Heart of Mary Convents and sold. I'm like, yes, this, this is going to be it. Even though once I had converted to Catholicism, I felt like I was in a vacuum, like all of a sudden. Growing mm-hmm. up, I'd always been very aware of the different energies and presences that kind of like, you know, float in and out throughout, you know, the day and throughout your life. Right. And uh, once I converted to Catholicism, it was like suddenly I was in, in a vacuum. Like there was just nothing anymore. And I would pray and I tried really hard to be uh, devout, but it was like talking to a brick wall. It was mm-hmm. always uh, very, so I was like, oh, well, I'll be a nun. I'll prove, I'll prove my worth or whatever. And uh, obviously that did not happen. Uh, by the time I graduated high school, I was like, well, you know, this clearly isn't working out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of finally did get a response to a prayer, like when I was like 17, like it was this impression of Jesus just saying, you know, I, I appreciate the efforts, but you're not mine. Others have already claimed you. So that was kind of my kicking off point going back to the beliefs that I knew before that I had kind of like did a cursory glance into what other options like religions and stuff there were Mm -hmm. but I was like no this is this is ridiculous why don't I just go back to what I know and once I did like suddenly like the energies were back and I was quote unquote plugged in again like I had been growing up Mm -hmm. but the want to be a nun never really left me and a few years ago, I had a, a pretty intense experience at a, what was then called East Coast Thing, um, following a three-hour long bloat that I had to Loki with a really mm-hmm. good friend of mine. And Loki finally broke through and was like, listen, you know, I, I heard you. Here's the deal. You know, I can, I can help you with this thing here. Just, you know, mm-hmm. uh, bind yourself to me. And I was, so I made my oaths finding and like after several weeks, because I, I, I wasn't like, okay. And I, it, you know, I took a lot of discernment and reflection and talking with other people. Be like, am I losing my mind? Am I crazy? What the, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I'm sorry about language. I don't know if you want nope, to. you can cut totally language. fine. <laughs> Fucking A, okay. Um, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> and um, the nature of the oaths is... is similar to like what it would be that's why i joke and call myself a loki and nun because i'm wholly devoted to him uh, everything i do is for him he's in everything i do and it's very um it's more of an internal thing it's funny because it's it's very much external because like i said his energy is in everything i do and he's always on my mind when i'm doing things that, like you know, impact the community and other people but it's a very still very uh, much a personal thing Whereas with Segan, um, the Northeast Heathen community, which is the regional group I'm a part of, um, didn't really mention her, didn't really talk about her. She was kind of ignored and forgotten because Mm -hmm. of uh, the Loki bands that had been going on for decades. So I uh, started bringing her back into the community consciousness. And that to me feels more like clergy work, Mm -hmm. like priesthood because it's more of an external thing. It's more bringing a god or a goddess back into the vernacular (laughs) and helping people learn how to honor them or how to develop a relationship with them and to lead floats and rituals in honor of them that people attend. I don't really do that for Loki. Um, Again, his deal and I is more of a personal thing. Mm -hmm. But for Segan, I'm very getting her back into community consciousness and getting people talking about her again and thinking about the value and the worth that she has and the lessons that she has for community. So I'm a little more, uh, a little more about that. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I think that's absolutely wonderful. And the, the cool thing that I was super excited about when I saw your book coming out, A, because there's some text out there that's devoted to Loki, but it some of it's really biased towards, you know, fascist stuff. And then some of it's not. Mm -hmm. And then there's some of it that you're like, that's a little questionable. I'm not sure what I just read. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then there's some of it that's really good. But I there's hardly anything if... I, and I think I have read maybe one article about Segan, and that's it. Mm -hmm. And there hardly is anything at all. And so I was like, yes, finally, she's getting a proper book. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, and so the, she's been in the game for too long. Yeah, she, she has been very much out of the game. And it's, you mentioned this also in your book about how there's really not a whole lot of historical lore about her, that she was kind of wiped away from it, the lore. And so the little bit that's left is very, very minute compared to everybody else. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's really nice to kind of see you bringing her back into the circle. And I do think that probably going forward, as far as modern day paganism and modern day norse paganism and heathenry looks like i think that when it comes to her we're probably going to have to forge a new path with her um because mm. the old lore has been kind of lost which is really yeah. disturbing and sad yeah yeah and it's remarkable too because she's depicted on the gosford cross which is one of like the big archaeological you know mm -hmm. things representing uh, Norse mythology. It has a lot of stuff on it as well, but she's one of the very few goddesses that we actually have a visual representation from, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Middle Ages, like from, from that kind of crossover. And yes. She was important enough to be represented on this cross alongside Christian mythology. So I yes. think it's very fascinating that you know, she has such a crucial role and, and Loki clearly has such a, a vitally important role through all the lore and they appear on the Gosford cross, but there's like, just people don't really either talk about her or they shun her because of her associations with Loki. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I love the fact that you mentioned when you were, you know, wanting to devote yourself to being a nun and all that. And, you know, you had that experience with Jesus. Um, my experiences with Jesus have always been very slim, kind of like yours. Like, yeah, I'm here, but um, we're not really supposed to work together. We can be friends, yeah. but we're not really <laughs> supposed to work together. And you're oh, no. a Christian. When you get that message, that is a disturbing message. I can imagine. It's very disturbing. And I was already having like a crisis of faith when this was happening to begin with. Oh. And um, like... I'm very much pro working with Jesus, mm -hmm. but I'm pro or I'm not okay with the aspects of modern Christianity. Well, actually most historical Christianity as well. Yeah. But <laughs> as far as the Christian church goes, the church itself, I'm not very much okay with, but I'm very mm -hmm. much pro Jesus. So if you want to work with Jesus and I tell everybody on my show all the time, if you want to work with Jesus, by all means, please work with Jesus. I think Jesus is a good yeah. deity. Oh, he is a cool dude. Yeah. And I love what he teaches. Mm -hmm. The humanity factor that yes. is kind of warmed it up. Yes. And interestingly enough, uh, on our sister show, Chaos and Shadow, we do a thing called Seance Saturday. And Seance is a very loose term. Um, it's just mostly like spiritual Saturdays where we go and communicate with whatever wants to come through. And nice. at one point in time, we worked with uh, John E.L. Tenney. And he came and brought this wonderful board that had Jesus on it. But he called him Space Jesus because Jesus was apparently from Mars. And that's who <laughs> came through and talked to us. The funniest thing about it was Space Jesus got all the biblical lore about Jesus correct. Like everything that Jesus came through the Bible and said and wanted to teach, he was like, mm -hmm. yeah, that was me. That was totally me. Ah, but so cool. he's, we asked him, we're like, how do you feel about the church? And he goes, yeah, they screwed it all up. <laughs> they, they screwed everything up it, it's wrong i hate it don't listen please stop yeah stop what yeah. you are doing and revert back to my teachings <laughs> um so it was a very interesting experience and ever since then I, i've never really been a 
true devotee or true follower of Jesus. Um, but I do hold a place for space Jesus on my <laughs> altar because I'm like, I like your teachings. I like them for humanity. You can have a little bit of space right here on my altar just this little bit this corner is yours it's fine <laughs> because i feel like space jesus is the one that needs to be taught to everyone because it's yeah. oh, teachings were on that <laughs> <laughs> oh and i kind of want to get like a my buddy christ figure and like yes. helmet on him. i love it <laughs> i love it so Thank much you. That's so cool. Oh my God. Yes. All hail space Jesus. All hail space Jesus. <laughs> and the funny thing is, I really do think that space Jesus and Loki would hang out with each other. Mm -hmm. Like, I totally without think that they would be like, without a doubt, just vibing together. Like if the gods had like a bonfire party, Loki and oh space God. Jesus would be sitting there drinking a beer or wine or whatever yes. Um, yes. and kicking back and having a grand old time just <laughs> shooting the shit. Yeah. Totally. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> You are dead on with that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, one kind of heavier topic I'd like you to kind of touch on today is what are your thoughts, especially you mentioned it briefly in your book, especially going through the history of heathenry, especially in America, of what modern heathens can do to break away from their fascist ties? Uh, yeah, that's a good one. And actually, the funny thing is I'm plotting a second book um, of a of a all father, not some father mm -hmm. vibe. I love that it. That goes deeper into the history about uh, fascism and uh, Norse heathenry mm -hmm. and how to combat it. Um, I haven't I haven't really done much on that yet because I'm still trying to keep my head afloat with everything else. Totally fair. <laughs> totally fair. I'm kind of in that like self-care zone right now. <laughs> yes. Um, but uh no, like that is that is my goal is to write a book examining that. Mm -hmm. And um my personal way of doing that again, this is like whenever I talk about heathenry and how to practice, I'm always talking about my own experience. I'm not saying this is what you have to do because not everybody's in the same situation as me. Like for instance, I live in a very liberal area where I have always been openly heathen, mm -hmm. um, obnoxiously so sometimes. Like at, at a one of the funeral homes I used to work at uh, was owned by a Mennonite. And yeah, I would like walk up and down the halls like when it was empty with like, cause I have one of those travel mugs shaped like a mm -hmm. drinking horn. I'd have my coffee with that and I'd hail the day, hail the fall. And he'd be like, oh my God, go back and clean the prep room or something. <laughs> he, he, didn't care, he didn't care that I was here. He was just like, what the hell are you doing? Um, You're going to so scare yeah. the people. Please stop. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact, the clergy and the priests freaking loved me. They they would like corner me during viewings and stuff and chat with me. Oh, um, I love that. <laughs> never in like a bunch of like proselytizing way. They were just like so fascinated by everything. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah, so I have that privilege where I can be openly obnoxiously heathen everywhere um I am and not face repercussions. Um and I know that like a lot of people can't like there I know that there's some regions of the country or some professions where people are uncomfortable uh being anything other than uh white anglo-saxon protestant type thing mm -hmm. um because it can be dangerous for them it can be very bad for their careers they can be shut out so when i talk about things that like initially i'll talk about like well what i do and it's cool if you're able to do that or if you're comfortable doing that but obviously it's not going to work and you shouldn't feel bad if you're not able to be uh like on the front lines type of thing Mm -hmm. um because there are other ways um <laughs> as i sound like suddenly very sly and coy because uh, <laughs> i'm um so in, in my day-to-day -day life especially back when i was in um you know public facing roles like a funeral director and after my medical my body decided to start shutting down and being like nope you're not doing this anymore i was like working as like receptionist cashier type thing and mm -hmm. now I'm at an internal role so I can't do this as much anymore but whenever I'm in public I still try to do um I always have uh, a Mjolnir pendant a Thor's hammer pendant on on very much on display mm -hmm. I will wear other uh, jewelry that has you know Norse 
themes, has runes on it, has um, like designs and whatnot. And I wear a head veil. I, I cover because of uh, it's that kind of nod to being a nun. And also mm-hmm. because Egan had told me at one point, um, it doesn't hurt to have something protecting your head from the venom dripping above. So I cover when I'm in public as well. So all these things combined will make me stand out a little bit and sparks conversation. People will ask me why I wear the veil or they'll ask me what that necklace is. And I do that so that I can present a friendly, inclusive, safe space representation mm-hmm. of heathens. Uh, Cause I also live in a super, I live in a city. So it's super uh, culturally diverse and in my public facing roles, and even if I'm just out like running to the gas station or something, like mm-hmm. I try to be super friendly, super, you know, chill, nice, and helpful and whatnot. So that way in the future, when people see you know, a Mjolnir or runes or something, they'll associate it with somebody who is, you know, kind and good and helpful to everybody around them, regardless of what they look like or what they or like, what language they're speaking and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a big thing of mine back uh, the other year. Well, anytime there's like news about white nationalists or white supremacists or neo-Nazis doing something or another, you know there's gonna be at least one picture of somebody wearing a giant Mjolnir or with a Valkanut tattooed on them somewhere prominent. And people will always associate them. They're like, oh, well, those are the symbols of hate. No, they're absolutely not symbols of hate. They've been co-opted by hateful people. Yes. That doesn't make them symbols of hate. So I try to be very uh, upfront and obvious about wearing these symbols when I'm out and about and interacting with people in my community. Mm -hmm. Because I want them to, to know that, hey, we're not all like that it can be a good thing. And let me tell you why it's the good thing. And these are the things to watch out for if somebody, if somebody is being an absolute shithead and causing problems. Because guess what? Every religion has that. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, with heathenry being a minority group, the only time the news mentions it is when the white supremacist assholes do something horrible. Yes. So, yes. And I remember when... Um, yeah, after the insurrection, the Capitol riot, uh, I had heard like some news rumor, and at this point I can't remember if it was true or not, about uh, the FBI adding Thor's hammer to their list of known hate symbols. And I flipped out on that because my father is actually buried in a national cemetery. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, he was career army. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And he has Mjolnir on his government-issued headstone. And I remember, you know, when I was still a funeral director, um, that was when the Department of Defense had finally okayed the use of pentacles and Mjolnir for pagan uh, members of the military. And I was all excited. I'm like, oh, that, this is great. That I wonder when I'll get to see my first headstone with Mjolnir on it. And it turns out the first time I saw a government, you know, military headstone with Mjolnir on it was the one that my uh, paternal cousin had sent me uh, from my father's grave down in uh, Georgia. And I was like, holy shit, that looks amazing. So yeah, I lost my mind when people started saying like, oh yeah, the FBI is adding Emil or Thor's hammer to the the list of known hate symbols. Cause I'm like, that is a government, like it's it's a federally recognized religion and a federally recognized symbol. What are they going to do to my father's headstone? If they decide that this is suddenly a hateful thing. Mm Like you can't do that to to the heathens who already have that headstone. That's religious discrimination. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We have to do better. Unfortunately, um, we have the onus to to be better and do better and be visible in our communities to counteract what these assholes are doing in their little enclaves and their and their toxicity. Yes, absolutely. And kind of you know talking a little bit about that and um, the taking responsibility aspect of that is something that I kind of want to segue into what it's like working with Loki and why Mm -hmm. Loki is not the devil of Norse paganism. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us a little bit about what's a day in the life of working with Loki. If you want to talk a little bit about that. (laughs) 
It's, it's funny because my um, devotions and attractions with Loki are very, it's just like so ingrained into my, like my daily mm-hmm. existence that I'm constantly, you know, making my offerings and devotions and things to him and people won't even notice. Like um, last year, my partner in crime and chaos moved in with me and he said he he wanted to make sure that he didn't interfere with, you know, with what I've got going on for devotions mm-hmm. to Loki. And he'd said this like a couple months after he moved in. I'm like, oh, no, it hasn't Im- impacted anything. I'm like, I do it all the time. You just don't notice because it's just kind of, it, it's very much a mindfulness thing. And again, you know, the energy, like the things that I, I read and things that I'm doing tries to be like, you know, give him a, a taste of human experience. Right. Also, uh, when I interact with other people, especially, and this and this ties in with what I was just saying about trying to put a, a good reputation about Thor's hammer and about mm-hmm. Henry into the community. Um, it's always been very important to me to make people feel comfortable and safe around me. Right. Which is a funny thing to say because I'm like five foot three, like. <laughs> and I'm like a, a bundle of defective genes. Like I'm, I'm at the age where I'm losing an organ a year. You know, all that stuff. <laughs> oh, <geez>. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I'm so intimidating. But no, I want people to know that, you know, safe, I hold safe space for everyone. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's very much part of my devotions to, Sig- uh, to, to Loki and to Segan mm-hmm. is, is the passion and the kindness and putting people at ease. And trying to make them laugh and smile, um, like you had said earlier, even um, that gift of laughter of, of survival. As a funeral director, uh, <laughs> it's funny because I went into uh, to mortuary work because I wanted to be an embalmer, like just right. purely an embalmer. I'm like, I don't really want to interact with, with people. But where I live, it's a dual license, so every funeral home is going to have you doing both meeting the families, running the funerals, as well as the embalming work. So I kind of got thrown in that regardless, which is fine because I ended up really loving working with the families, mm-hmm. um, even for the really traumatic cases, the, the really sudden, unexpected, where like people would literally, when they come to the funeral home for the first time to make arrangements, that seems to be when uh, it becomes real to yeah. them. So a lot of times I would go to the front door to greet a family to come in for the arrangement conference and like, you know, the mother would like sink to her knees, just like sobbing hysterically and her husband and sons would have to carry her in and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would do whatever it took to like to put them at ease. And, and I get, you know, at first gave them plenty of space. Um, and, and I was very quiet to let them kind of process what they needed to do. And I would step away for a little bit so they could collect themselves. Mm-hmm. And then when you go in to do the arrangements, a lot of it is basically data collection because you need to know a lot of uh, demographic information for death certificates and for permits and information for the obituary and whatnot. Right. That can very easily turn into like an order taking kind of thing because mm-hmm. you're just like going down this list. All right, I want highest level education. All right, then what was their occupation for the end of that? So when I was doing that, I would try to get conversation, get the family talking about their loved one, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, oh, they, they, they worked in this sector. Oh, that's really interesting. You know, that must have been something. And what, what are some things that would tell you about, like, you know, their, their favorite, if they were a teacher or something, you know, what was their favorite thing to do for their students or what was their favorite topic to teach and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Something as simple and like stupid as saying that would kind of be that gateway for the family to be like oh okay so you see you recognize that the person we're talking about was an actual human being who mattered Mm -hmm. awesome we want to tell you all about them right so they would start telling stories and when they start telling stories of course then somebody would be like hey you remember that time when and then everybody would start laughing and they'd start like pulling out their phones to like show show me pictures of them and they just go on and on and on and like they would start laughing and then once we got that to that point I would kind of start um, getting a little cheeky myself mm-hmm. and make jokes about, you know, funeral related stuff, like, which sounds like awful to say, like, oh my God, the funeral director is like joking about services. But no, I would try to be like, listen, this isn't a scary thing. This is mm-hmm. a very, very normal thing. 
Um, I'm here to help you. I'm not here to like scam you out of money or anything like that. <laughs> like, let me, like, like the thing, kind of things I would joke about, just, just <laughs> offer some perspective on that. Cause I just realized what an awful thing that is to say. <laughs> We'd go into the selection room for, and, and looking at caskets and stuff. And of uh-huh. course people like freeze up and be like, oh God, I don't know. What's the difference between this casket or that casket? Because with metal caskets, you can get a ceiling casket or a non-sealing casket. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the difference? You know, what would you get? And I'd say, well, if I honestly, to be perfectly frank with you, I would go with the sealing casket because I'm a terrible arachnophobe. I don't like the idea of spiders getting in there. So oh like if you guys are if you were cool with that, then awesome. Otherwise, <laughs> well, and then I never thought about that. Now I have a whole new fear. Thanks. <laughs> Get a ceiling casket, you'll be fine. Then I take it a step further, be like, that's actually one of the reasons why I want to be cremated. Because yes, I know I'm dead. I know I won't know. But still, just the idea of like having a spider crawl on me horrifies me to the point where I'm like, burn me up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want there anything a spider can crawl on. <laughs> <laughs> or just that, you know, Hollywood image of like the spider crawling out of the eye socket. No, thank you. Nope, nope. I'm good. I'm good. Nope. I do not oh need God, to know that about my corpse. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had this irrational fear. Um, thankfully, this never happened, but I was convinced it was going to happen at some point when uh, doing a house call, like where, where somebody is at home, mm-hmm. and we go to the house to bring them into our care. I was convinced that, like, sometime I was going to walk in there where there going to be like terrariums in the living room, and one of the lids were going to be slightly askew, and the family was going to be like, oh, yeah, uh, they had tarantulas, but one of them is missing. <laughs> Oh God! And I, I was just like, "You're gonna have to call another funeral home at this point." I am sorry. <laughs> like, wish I could help you, but I do not want to get like back to the funeral home and then have a tarantula jump out at me. So, you know, I, clearly, I'm, I've always been very professional in everything. Yes, but <laughs> but that's like how I would just relate to people and re- relate to the families, and and get them comfortable and mm-hmm. let them realize that I, I actually did care. Mm-hmm. and that would make them feel comfortable and then they could start laughing and if they laughed if they smiled then I knew they were going to get through it and that to me has always been Loki's gift um mm-hmm. circling back to the story of Scotty and the goat mm-hmm. I mean because he made her smile because he made her laugh he saved the hides of everybody else in Asgard because once you have that smile once you once you crack through that hurt and you get that smile, that little tug at the at the edge of the lips, then you're gonna be okay. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna pass through it. You can make amends to what you need to make amends for, which is hugely important because Loki is a god of accountability. Yes. When you read, yes, he does like a lot of shitty stuff. I'm not gonna lie. Hypercritical of like reading that first chapter through the mythology, you would never know. I actually like the dude because <laughs> I'm pointing out all of his faults. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, you're a fucking creep, dude. Like, knock it off. But <laughs> but, it's, but he's always taken accountability. Mm-hmm. And he's done what needs to be done to rectify the situation. And that's something else that I incorporate hugely into my life and always have. Like, integrity is everything to me. Mm-hmm. That, that As a funeral mm-hmm. director, it was vital. Because people already have, like, a, a negative association towards funeral directors a lot of the time. Um, I mean, have the reputation of being like, oh, prey on the grieving people and rob them of all their money. No, absolutely not. Like, we're here to help you. Right. We're here because we care about the pain you're going through and we're going to help you through this. Mm-hmm. At least the funeral homes that I worked at, that was the, the mindset, which I appreciated so very much. And uh, so, yeah, transparency and accountability and integrity are vital to everything I've ever done and that's how I carry myself throughout my life I I joke about like oh no I'm just I'm too lazy to lie I don't want to have to keep track of (laughs) like what I said to who and this that and the other thing and the anxiety of being found out like oh my god horrifying like I'm just I'm too lazy for that just like I'm too lazy to be like an asshole to people that takes effort it does it takes effort it takes so much effort (laughs) And the people that, you know, are out there being assholes 24-7, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You have some serious stamina because I couldn't do it. I couldn't I do it. I'm just, I am more of one of those people. I'm like, oh, you're going to be shitty to me? I Well, thanks for letting me know. We're not friends yep. anymore. <laughs> Peace out. Yep. I'm going to go live my life over here. You don't exist anymore. Bye-bye. Oh my God! Yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, having a chronic illness, having you know, with neuro spicy neurodivergence, um, and all those wonderful things, it, it makes life so much more complicated. And by the time you add in, you know, having somebody else be like, "Oh, you're," I have to be mean to you. Oh, yeah. Really? Can yeah. we just not? Can I just go away now? Can't we just exist? Like, come on. Come Angry on. scowl, here you are. There, that's that's all you get. I'm done. Bye. <laughs> like, literally, I don't have time for the drama and I don't want to deal with the drama, which is so funny being a practitioner of Loki because Loki caused a lot of drama. And you're like, and you know, when you tell somebody, hey, I'm a practitioner of Loki, of Loki and they're like, really? So you enjoy all the chaos. And I'm like, um, for the record, I live in chaos. I have multiple sclerosis. I don't know if I'm going to be able to yeah. wake up tomorrow and walk. So, yeah. 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 Um, that's one of the reasons why Loki's in my life is he's like, you get to laugh through yeah. the chaos because you don't know what tomorrow's mm -hmm. going to look like. So wake up and smile. <laughs> I know you don't feel yeah. like it, but do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. And chaos, like chaos has such a negative connotation too yes. in the community like people are afraid of it and I'm like yeah it, ha it does have its downsides because but the thing is like humans just have this need for complacency I guess yes. like you want you want to settle into like boring routine even people as lazy as me and I'm sure like you're in this mindset too mm -hmm. or just like just, just let me have a boring existence you know I don't want to deal with this that or the other thing um just let me make it through my day and enjoy the experiences I can have and so be it yeah um but complacency is, and, and I mentioned this in the book and I've mentioned it on my blog, that's super dangerous because that's when you stop growing. That's when you stop challenging yourself. Um, and Loki will bring in something to shake you up. We, like chaos being, whether it's like a job change or moving somewhere else or, you know, family dynamics shifting. It, it just, it's something that just, disrupts your routine mm -hmm. so that you kind of snap back to reality and you're like oh okay hey so cool there's options and I have things that I can do differently and I can learn about this and grow and be a better person for doing this and be more helpful to others by doing this like I don't think it's it's all doom and drama the way a lot of people seem to interpret it mm -hmm. uh, again that's the yes. thing Absolutely. And the, the fun thing about, um, you know, doing that and now um, I wasn't actually a practitioner of SIGIN for a very long time. And mainly because, truthfully, I forgot she existed. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until probably about a year, year and a half ago that I was just like, oh, yeah, you're married. I <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow. Please don't hate me, Loki. I am sorry. Oh. And he's like, no, it's cool. It's cool here she is you should talk to her you would like her she's nice she doesn't bite i promise and once i kind of started working with her i was like wow i didn't realize how much i needed her balance to your mm -hmm. chaos and once yes. you bring the two of them in it's like you see all the chaos that happens around you but then you start to see the positive in it versus mm -hmm. the oh crap my life has gone to shit what happened yeah and loki's like i tweaked a knob i'm sorry and second's like don't worry i got you it's cool it's gonna be fine everything's mm -hmm. gonna work out exactly don't panic she yep. is the don't panic button to his panic button <laughs> it's wonderful and the best part about working with the two of them is when you start to see that, especially the way I explain people when they're like, how do you work with chaos and how do you work that into your magic and how do you work that into just working with him? Like, how do you do it without losing your marbles? And I say, how do you walk out in the middle of a rainstorm? Yes. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, you walk out in the middle of a rainstorm. Yeah, the water's not going to hurt you. You're going to get a little wet. 
it's going to be slightly uncomfortable, possibly. You might have some wind, so it's going to be a little bit difficult. So you have to have an umbrella or a raincoat or something, and you have to figure out how to manage the chaos of that storm. But the storm will end. And mm-hmm. when it ends yes. and it comes back, the sun is shining, the plants are growing, everything is working the way that it's supposed to. And sometimes you ha- end up with things that are really dangerous, like tornadoes, floods, those kind of things. But it's mm-hmm. not because there's too much chaos in that storm. It's because something's out of balance and it has to be yeah. set. Oh my God, that is the perfect analogy. Yes. So working with Loki is kind of that way. And interestingly enough, I also work with Thor, um, which Thor and Loki don't really see eye to eye all the time, but (laughs) they tolerate each other um, Mm -hmm. in my practice, which is really nice. Um, And uh, the funny thing is when we have really like bad tornadic weather down here in Tennessee, I will be like, Thor, calm your shit, please. (laughs) Calm down, put it at ease, make it skip my house. Yep. It's not coming here. <laughs> Calm oh. down, please. Protect yeah. me in the storm, please. Uh, and uh. then Loki's just like, it'll be fine. Power goes out. Loki, stop. <laughs> I love you, but stop. <laughs> and then a few minutes later, the power comes back on. It's like, kidding. I'm kidding. I didn't mean to cause you stress. I'm sorry. <laughs> That that is essentially what it's like working with them in my Norse household, which is so funny because when I first started working with Loki, my husband was a devout worker of Thor, and there was a lot of this tense energy at the beginning of my house, and I'm like, guys, you have to live together. You have to work together. Stop it. (laughs) So it was very funny kind of seeing those kind of things. Yeah, literally, it was like having two cats with a spray bottle. They're like, hiss, hiss. And I'm like, guys, I will grab a bucket of water and just dump it on the both of you. Get the squirt bottle. Stop it. (laughs) But... That is definitely what it's like working with the two of them, and it's very fun. Now, uh, we have a little bit of time left on the show, but we're going to have to have you back on the show because this has been an absolute delight because I'm having so much fun I'm talking having so much to fun you. Having you. <laughs> um, but tell everybody a little bit about the book, um, where they can find it. You've already told them you know, about your charities and all that stuff. Tell us about where they can find you on social media, how we can connect with you, yada, 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 all the good stuff. Um, yeah, the social media part, I'm just cracking up because I haven't even been on Facebook in like a month and a half. Um, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so bad at social media. I'm just so lazy. <laughs> um, no, the book is a devotional. It uh, goes into the Loki and Segan and the lore, some of the historical stuff. There's a chapter about um, it, the history of heathenry in America Mm-hmm. With a foot, it's mostly about the history with uh, the Northeast Heathen community because this is where I live, practice, and um, uh, the book was this. This book is a gift to the community too because so many people reached out to me and spoke with me and shared their stories and told me their experiences and whatnot, and that's all reflected in that chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's this contributions from people who remain anti-Loki like they explain why they don't work with him and why they're not comfortable like in presence in places where he has been invoked or whatever Mm -hmm. because it's important to have conversation about you know from both perspectives because like you mentioned balance the balance is really crucial and I, I just hope this book is something that opens up that conversation so that both sides have a better understanding of where each is coming from so that way when they meet in person it's not a fight it's more of a hey you know what are your experiences mm-hmm. this is cool like you know how can we like you work around this or something um it goes on into a uh, little bit of a 101 crash course in norse heathenry just so that way people could this book is not just for heathens it's for anybody who has an interest in loki and segan mm-hmm. uh but i have that crash course chapter in there because uh, I'm always saying context matters, context matters. And for working with Loki and Segan, it is useful to understand uh, the practices and beliefs of the people who like work with them within that that heathen framework. Um, And then there's information about 
like, attributes and the, and the lessons that they really impart to us in day to day and uh, a couple of rituals that I've written and performed with people. And then uh, Erica Wren, who is a longtime Lokian and has done a lot of work to repair the damage that other uh, Lokians had done to the Northeast heathen community over the years mm -hmm. uh, to bring him back uh, into the community. Um, she has, or they have contributed a lot of information as well to the book and wrote a section on Loka Brenna and provided some rituals as well. So um, I just, every time I talk about this book, I can't not talk about how amazing this community is and mm -hmm. how grateful I am to everybody for chiming in and sharing their thoughts and sharing their experiences so that this book could happen. Um, it can be found on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, Llewellyn.com. You can order straight from the publisher there. <clears throat> uh, it's also available on ebook forms and uh, also audiobook. They they did release an audiobook version. Oh, did they? Yep. I, yeah, I will I'd have to get that as well because I love having it on audiobook. <laughs> yeah, I know that a lot of like neurodivergent people have a hard time uh, focusing on on printed words, so mm -hmm. audiobooks are are much better. So I'd asked about if that was a possibility, and they said, "Oh, well, we'll we'll see what the marketing team does, and and if the audiobook company that we work with will do it." And they did, and I'm super excited. And Leslie Howard narrates it, and she was wonderful. She's such a sweetheart. Um, so I'm I'm super thrilled that that option is also available for folks. And uh, as far as the social media, my uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter are all um, under the handle Locusrev, L-O-K-E-S-R-E-V. Uh, it's Norway Um Again, I, I'm almost never on them because I'm, uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm working like three, three full-time jobs and while also wrangling two cats and a ferret and a partner in crime and chaos. <laughs> so I mean, I don't, I don't that's <laughs> definitely, I, I'm also one of the first people to admit that it's, there are days where I don't even open Twitter and mm -hmm. Facebook. What is Facebook? I haven't oh. looked at Facebook in like six months. So don't feel bad. <laughs> don't feel bad. Uh, do your best and that's all we can hope for, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. So, um, and same with my blog, um, <laughs> a Loki kind of life. I'm like, I keep, I keep bitching to my partner. I'm like, oh my God, I need to write. I need to write. So I've got 7,000 half finished drafts queued up and my brain is always spinning with things to write about and then like I just yeah. I get home from my nine to five and I'm so just exhausted and I, mm -hmm. I'm like I'm gonna lie down for an hour and then four hours later you know Kevin's poking at me like hey, like, hey <laughs> you, okay? you should have dinner and go to bed <laughs> <laughs> yep. so, I no, so I, much I, I, I planned for like my blog and and things like that so you know maybe check in once a month and see if i've posted anything <laughs> that's fair that's fair you guys know that i will have all these great links in the show notes um again go buy a copy of leah's book you won't regret it i promise if you enjoyed our conversation and all the wonderful laughter and good times that we had today you're gonna love her book i oh, I, I don't usually cackle when reading nonfiction witchcraft books or like every now and then I'll get a smirk, maybe a little <laughs> chuckle, but I was cackling with some of the stuff in this book, especially Freya's, oh, hell no. I love that. That like was one of my favorite moments. And I'm like, I can literally see her saying this and like throwing something at one of yep. the, oh, it was perfect. I, I saw like the whole interaction in Asgard. It was great. <laughs> it was beautifully written. Oh. <laughs> Leah, thank you so much for joining me. Like I said, we're going to have to have you back on the show because this was Yay. an absolute blast. We'll have to come back, talk more about Loki, talk about yeah. your upcoming book whenever it gets out there and gets released and all that good <laughs> stuff. Um, but yes, this was absolutely wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. And I hope thank you, you so much for having back. me. Again. Yes, I would love that. You are such a delight. Thank you. Oh, yay. I love it. All right, guys. Again, go buy Leah's book. That's the last time I'm going to say y'all stay safe. Take care of yourselves. Be good to each other and hold yourselves accountable. Bye, everybody. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>